Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. that time it is the indiana outdoor show do you think after the 69th annual ford boat sport and travel show we're just going to take a vacation heck no we're rolling right through to some other great topics and uh, spring lends itself to so many things coming up of course we have the solar eclipse in april we got turkey season we're all mushrooms all that stuff to look forward to in the great indiana outdoors but today we're going to talk about some lake michigan fishing uh, a very cool way to help the little fish that they stock maybe have a little bit more survivability we're going to visit with the lake michigan fisheries biologist ben dickinson anytime i can have a biologist on in our great indiana outdoor uh, resources. It is something I always learn. Lake Michigan, such a complex ecosystem. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. Uh, we are going to kick things off with Tim Beck, who is, uh, turns out, has been regular here. He was on just a few weeks ago, and that was reminding folks about getting your hunter education requirement this spring. Find one near you. Just Google Indiana Hunter Education. But now we're on the verge of the National Archery in the Schools State Tournament, where there'll be several thousand kids who have qualified for this at the Indiana State Fairgrounds in just a couple of weeks. It's uh, something all Hoosiers should be very proud of. Nearly 70,000 kids are enrolled in schools where this archery curriculum is part of their school day. So we're going to talk about that. Marty Benson from the Department of Natural Resources Communications Division, talking about the recreation guide, the fishing guide. They were everywhere out at the uh, boat sport and travel show, but available so jam-packed with so much information. As you can see, we want to give Tim Beck all the time in the world to talk about this great program. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to be with you each and every week. Couldn't do it without our friends at Indiana Donor Network, driven to the number two, driven to save lives.org. Sign up to be the organ and tissue donor when you buy your hunting and fishing license. Couldn't be any easier. And so important to help save up to eight lives and heal dozens of others. So with that, we appreciate, as always, what they do on Indiana Outdoors. Uh, oh, geez, we've had so much activity here in the last couple of months leading up to what is now the conclusion. It's in the books, uh, the 69th 
annual Ford Boat Sport and Travel Show Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo was jam-packed, just absolutely jam-packed. But now we got to switch to some other great things that are going on in the state of Indiana and Tim Beck joins us. Tim, you were just with us here a few weeks ago talking about being out at the Boat Sport and Travel Show with the Hunter Education folks and teams and all the volunteers that come out there. And here we're back at it again because no rest for everybody at Hunter Education, including you as its leader. So it's great to see you. What did you think of the uh, Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo? Well, Brian, you nailed it on the head. Man, it was jam-packed. We saw a bunch of people came through the three days, and it was just a wonderful experience. A bunch of people stopped by the booth. They enjoyed the uh, shooting simulator that we had sent up, and a lot of them just stopped by and said hi and passed out a lot of good information. Well, it's always great to go by your corner spot there. It's in such a great, prominent location, and seeing the smiles on the kids' faces when they're, in this case, shooting uh, the simulated uh, game that you had there. How long has that thing been around? Have you guys changed that out? Oh, that- it, we've been using it for quite a while, but we're probably on our third or fourth unit now. But uh, this this year we focused and we had a, a duck hunt for everybody to enjoy this year. Well, the reason I asked that is exactly that. I didn't, didn't think that you had a duck. I've seen deer and, and bigger game. Uh, sometimes you have uh, different things, but I hadn't seen that one, so I was watching some of the kids and enjoyed of course visiting with you it was i was out there on a saturday of the the last weekend and it was just really you you had to be aggressive to get through those halls or those uh aisleways and the the sounds and just everybody just had a great time it looked like to me so i'm glad to hear that it was a successful event to you always great to see the men and women that wear the green uniform there as well and when i was talking to one of the officers it reminded me that we should probably have you back on to talk about this National Archery in the Schools program tournament that's coming up. But I want to take a little deeper dive. So go back and explain what this NASP, National Archery in the Schools program, is and how incredibly successful it has been here in the state of Indiana. Well, it's it's another unique opportunity to get our students and our youth outdoors. And what it is, it's a bringing back archery back into the schools. That's the name National Archery in the School. It started in nationally in 2002, and Indiana joined the program in 2005. We were the 21st state to join into the program, and wow, what it has blossomed into. Uh, it is a great program that's for grades 4 through 12, uh, so it's uh, a unique program. Whether you're a fourth grader or you're a junior, senior in high school, you're shooting the same equipment. It, it really equalizes the playing field, and we focus on farm and ability. And it's just a unique program where the students, yes, they can compete, but yet they they work on their self-esteem and they're building their confidence and just improving their performance. And what we inadvertently found out was this is way more than just putting an arrow down at a target. What this does, it helps the students focus, and we've seen a tremendous improvement with students with their grades, their activities in school. Um, It's just been a win-win. So we're very proud in Indiana that we have now over 650 schools in Indiana that are are using the program, and that equates out over 65,000 kids are shooting archery in school. 
And exactly as you just said, it is that. You, this is part of a curriculum, uh, but it's such a unique program. And as we've been talking about this and its explosion in the state of Indiana and its popularity, if you think about it at its root element, this is the greatest equalizer in sports. You don't have to be a jock in the gym. You don't have to have a particular knack at swinging a golf club because not everybody has those things, especially in those early grades. But this is, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, young, old, uh, you know, male, female, this is just a great opportunity for kids that maybe otherwise wouldn't find extracurricular or sporting type activities in the school. They've really made this their own. And this tournament that you mentioned, um, or these kids, the the 70,000 all come down to a tournament. And that's what I was talking to the officer about. Tell people what that looks like, because I don't think people have a real good, clear vision of what this means. When you talk about 65,000 kids being taught archery or being able to shoot in schools, and it's a legitimate opportunity for them to all get together, advance, and the best ones go to this tournament. Tell us about it. Yeah, we what we do is uh, this is our 18th year of hosting the Indiana State NAS tournament here in Indiana. Um it has grown in its popularity so well. It's not required to compete in the National Archery School program, but the students really enjoy it. So what we've been doing since the growth of the program has just exploded, January 1 to about the first week in February, we have our schools across the state shoot a qualifying tournament in their local gymnasiums or wherever they host their tournaments at. And what they'll do is they'll shoot a, a tournament for score, and then they'll send it to us. And Chris Clark, my partner, she heads up the the tournament side of things as far as registration and scoring and they'll send all those uh, scores in and then we have a a meeting where we put our tournament committee together and then what we do is we invite um, the students across the state to participate in our tournament it's going to be saturday march 9th at the indiana state fairgrounds we're actually using two buildings we're using the champions and the blue ribbon pavilion to host the tournament um we had nearly 5,000 students compete for an opportunity to come to our state tournament. And due to the size of the facility and everything, we're able to accommodate about 2,200 archers to shoot the bullseye tournament. And for the last few years, we've introduced a 3D range. And that's new. And again, taking the students and getting them one more step toward the outdoors, we'll have nearly 700 students participate in the 3D range. So that's all going to c- come together on Saturday, March 9th. And it provides a great opportunity for the students to showcase their abilities and the schools to um, just showcase what they can do with this archery program. And the big thing that I really you know want to mention too, you said it's so right, Brian, that this is the great equalizer. We have students who would never probably ever attempt to make the basketball court or football, but better than that, yeah, we've got students, We they whether they walk in, they roll in, they're on crutches. Uh, we have students who have physical limitations because of limbs. Uh, they shoot with a mouth tab. We have sight impaired students. We have hearing, uh, hearing impaired students. It's really, we try to accommodate all students, Brian. So we're really happy to present this program to the DNR law enforcement division. Well, I'm sure there's someone right now at this early hour going, wait a minute, 
are these kids actually shooting bows in school as part of a curriculum? And the answer is yes. But in your experience, having seen this now over all these decade plus, is it part of a gym class? Is it after school? Give me an idea of what this looks like in the real world. No, it's actually in school. This has to, for the students to be able to compete in a NAS-style tournament, they have to have the in-school component. Uh, So, yes, the best fit for a lot of the area is the PE class. Works out very well. But be honest with you, Brian, with the curriculum, it can fit in a math class. We have uh, shop classes do it. We have FFA. We have biology classes. So, I mean, you know, with the STEM programs that are across the country anymore, it's very easy to work in archery, the kinetic energy of the arrow, how the bow works, and the physics of pulling it back and creating energy. It just ties into the curriculum really, really well while giving the students something exciting and fun to do. You know, I've shared this story with you and others over the years, but when I was a little guy and my dad knew I had an interest in the outdoors, and I think partly to get rid of me from bugging him, uh, he bought me a bear whitetail hunter, my first bow, mm-hmm. and it was an adjustable weight, so I kind of grew into it, and he said, you uh, have to learn how to shoot a bow and kill a deer with a bow before you go gun hunting, so that was my motivation, and still to this day, I thank him for that. I didn't really realize it. I enjoyed shooting, but I... I just absolutely enjoy being on the range. I love hunting with a bow. It is a totally different experience and still to this day is one that I look forward to. And the interesting part of this is my daughter is 26 now and she's probably the best of all of us in terms of her shooting. Mm -hmm. And she kind of picked it up and enjoyed watching me and It's just been kind of fun to watch with the decade plus of history that you have with this. Do you have any idea how many of these kids by now may have gone out and tracked and bought licenses or actively started hunting because of the NASP program? Or is that getting too deep in the weeds? No, it's it's actually, actually, we've done a, a great survey in 2017, and we're actually getting ready to do it again here. March 1, it's going to open up where we actually track this. We know that over 68% of these students that participate in archery want to expand their activities, and whether it be hunting or continue the shooting sports, um, that's been one of the big, big win-wins for the industry as far as being behind this program. Uh, it really opens up new avenues that we kind of, you know, get them off the phones, off the computers, and get them outdoors. It, it has provided some excellent opportunities for these students to enjoy our natural resources and get out there. So we're very excited for this new survey. Matter of fact, we're going to have a survey booth set up at the tournament this year for our students to do it. So we're really looking forward to the outcome of that. But we know we are making a huge difference. And I will mention, too, you know, with all the archery that's being shot, 2.2 million kids are shooting archery this year across the country in this program and we have an unblemished safety reason and one of the reasons for that is the dedicated instructors that learn the curriculum and learn how to do it uh, it's just a win-win from the students the parents grandparents all the way down to the schools and the teachers and the administration it's a win for everybody tim beck the uh, coordinator of hunter education in the state of indiana regular guest here talking about the national archery in the schools program and the upcoming tournament in indianapolis several thousand were going to be there kids shooting uh, on march 9th and i've seen pictures and i've i've heard you talk about 
about how satisfying it is for these kids. But I also think it's important people to understand the partnerships that make this available to these schools. All schools are strapped and money and everything else. But there's some great partnerships that I think you should mention. Oh, absolutely there is. You know, number one, the sportsmen across the 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 country that buy hunting license and buy equipment and that we utilize some of the special dollars that are generated from there. We have NGOs, non governmental organizations like the National Wild Turkey Federation, who have been a key supporter of the Indiana program from the very beginning. There is numerous organizations out there, Whitetails Unlimited, uh, just a bunch of organizations that believe in what we do and support us. And I don't mean to leave anybody out, but yeah, the schools, the budgets are tight and everything. And these folks and people with their fundraising banquets have put their money right up front and said, hey, we want to help you get this program going and and make it thrive in the state. And with their support and effort and contribution, that's exactly what we're doing. So everybody's got to uh, should feel very proud of this program because it's just not a, a single effort that's doing it. Everybody joining together is making a huge difference. Our our logo in our program is called Changing Lives One Arrow at a Time, and we have a bunch of people who can proudly pat themselves on the back about that. Boy, I tell you what, what a great collection of stories, if there could ever be such a thing of those kids and the satisfaction that they have, especially coming to a tournament like this, but probably never even thought they'd see a bow, nonetheless be competing in a tournament. But what a great collection of testimonials as uh, that, that should be a project. I think somebody should try to collect some of this stuff yeah. and all accumulate it. But as always, Tim, you're great to be with us. And I know you're going to be busy in the next couple of weeks with the National Archery in the Schools program coming up March 9th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Is it open to the public? It is absolutely open to the public. The doors will open at 6 o'clock. Uh, you enter to the, through the Blue Ribbon Pavilion, which is located on the southeast side of the fairgrounds. Uh, please join us. Come see yep. it. If We have a, 240 archers on the line at one time. If you've never heard 240 bows go off at one time, it's a unique sound. Come join it. us. I love it. Tim, always great to visit with you. Best of luck. Thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors this weekend. All right. Thank, take care. My pleasure. One of my favorite people. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. There you go. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Lake Michigan. What a cool project going on up there for some Chinook salmon and so much more. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. It is Indiana Outdoors Saturday. I, your host, Brian Pointer, as always, a thrill and privilege to be with you. You know, we had a goofy week. It was uh, the leap year thing on Thursday. I don't really get that, but it is what it is. It just doesn't happen very often. But here we are this weekend, and of course, it's Indiana Outdoors, and I'm your host, Brian Pointer. Uh, lots of stuff. I read this week uh, about a unique thing. Uh, opportunity up in Lake Michigan with some new things that are going to be part of the stocking program. So who better to talk about Lake Michigan and that fishery than the Lake Michigan fisheries biologist, Ben Dickinson. It's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors and back on. Uh, I read this, I I think this press release came out and it was something called Net 
pen and I read mm-hmm. about it and I was like, that just makes so much sense. Why don't you describe it? Cause I'll just butcher it. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, I guess to start with, uh, you know, uh, Chinook salmon smolts, we, we put them in, uh, directly in the lake there at East Chicago. Um, and we put them in, uh, Bill Calumet River and Trail Creek. So the ones there in East Chicago go directly in the harbor. And when we put Chinook salmon in, they're about four inches long. So they're a perfect snack size for a variety of uh, fish and bird predators. So the idea behind a net pen is that you have a giant floating uh, cage made out of a net and it's framing. And uh, you put the Chinooks in there and kind of let them get acclimated to their new uh, home in Lake Michigan, uh, feed them for a little bit. It kind of just uh, ease that predation pressure right after they're dumped off the stocking truck. I mean, it sounds so obvious, but we've talked about stocking. I love it. I think it's fascinating to get with the biologist and and learn how this assisting Mother Nature, especially those that like to fish uh, in all parts of the state, this salmon and that resource up in Lake Michigan is so valuable and it just seems to make sense if you put the little fish in there you, you, the survivability is you want to give them a, a fighting chance so as they kind of get acclimated I guess they stay in this this holding pen well then what happens you just take them out of the pen open the door and they just go about is there give me some ideas of the survivability and the and obviously you're doing this because it's going to make a difference but I'm interested in what kind of a difference it will make sure um so yeah first of all uh basically that is uh what happens after they're held there uh, for a couple of weeks um you know we can't hold them there a super long time because eventually the, the water will warm up in the near shore region too much um and it, that is not good for you know cold water loving fish like salmon so after a couple of weeks they there's a couple of doors on the side of the pen and they just open those up and, and let fish swim out and they'll, they'll swim out into the lake and, and do their thing. Um, and as far as, uh, how much of a difference it makes, um, it can make some difference, especially with like imprinting. So for folks that don't know, uh, salmon have this really cool ability to, uh, imprint on the geographic and, uh, like area using the earth's magnetic field and also the chemical signature of the water. So, um, It'll help probably a little with imprinting. It keeps them in the harbor for a longer time uh, after stocking. So we want them to come back to the harbor. So sure, and boat anglers can catch them in the fall. Um, you know, when we stock in rivers, uh, it, they it just naturally imprint because they got to swim down the river uh, and, and out into the lake. But when the harbor, they can just go 100 yards and be out in Lake Michigan. So sometimes they leave right away. I love uh, it. And, you know, this yeah. is this is why I love talking to the biologist, because I learn something all the time. And the stocking program, whether it's walleye or it's muskie or it's other types of fish, really is made Indiana, I think, especially in Lake Michigan, a destination place for people. And uh, I'm going to kind of switch and angle this because the health, the, the health of Lake Michigan, I don't think has ever been better in terms of water quality and species and fishing opportunities for the anglers. Would you agree with that? Spending all your time up there, I just kind of interested in what the condition of Lake Michigan is from your perspective. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'd say it's pretty good. There's a lot of diverse opportunities available to our anglers. Um, it's certainly changed a lot, uh, over the past few decades. Uh, so, uh, I think 
you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, some guys might tell you the lake is not nearly as good as it used to be when they were growing up. Uh, others might say, just like you did, like, hey, it's, you know, there's never been a better time. It kind of depends on your perspective and what you like to fish for. But we have uh, so many opportunities in, in the Lake Michigan and its tributaries that, um, you know, not too many places in the world you can, you know, catch, have a good chance at catching a steelhead 12 months out of the year, for example. Absolutely. Uh, special. Well, it's about that time for the, uh, the <laughs> cohos to be uh, up closer and not have to run out to the gong and other things. But is the, what's the uh, status on the coho fishing season? Is it started? Yeah, you know, it is not really, which is a little bit surprising. Um, it's uh, been such a mild winter. A lot of times it gets going early when, when we have ice free. Um, uh, it could change any day with the water and, and weather temps, you know, the, the warm weather that we're going to be having in the upcoming week. Um, but uh, not a lot of guys have been catching them. They have been doing really good on brown trout, though, over by East Chicago and the Ship Canal and Gary Light and stuff like that. So that's nice to see. Ben, it's always great to visit with you. I love your perspective. And uh, any other message about Lake Michigan or uh, things that you want anglers to know if they're getting ready for a spring trip up there? Um, well, you know, just regarding the, the net pen stuff, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank the, the Lake County uh, Fishing Game Club that we're partnering with. They've been great partners. Uh, they've donated some time and money to the hatchery. Uh, and we're real excited that they're going to be partnering with us on this project and uh, getting a kind of a appreciation for all of the, the great work that our hatchery guys do um, and, and, how, and what they do. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. And then uh, as far as fishing uh, this, this spring, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'd say uh, if you're planning to come up, do so in the next month or so, because the coho should come in and uh, fishing ought to be pretty good. Well, as my fishing charter captain's friends have told me the last few years, they're jumping in the coolers, and it seems like every time I've had a trip planned to come up there and fish, it's been bad weather and called off. So I'm going to give it the old college try again this year because I do enjoy – I don't enjoy getting way out there and, you know, spending an hour driving out 10 or 15 miles to the to where they are. But this time of the year is unique because they're a little – they're closer in. So I like that. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Ben, it's great to visit with you. Thanks for your contributions on Indiana Outdoors, and keep up the great work and the great message about this new Chinook stocking opportunity. And we look forward to having you back. All right. Thanks, Brian. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives. We're going to go to our Department of Natural Resources, and the new rec guide is out. You probably saw it at the Ford Boat Sport and Travel Show. We're going to find out what's all inside. We're going to be back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I hope you know that by now. I am your host, and we have had a great big show. So good to visit with our biologists of every sort, and we have so many great professionals in our Department of Natural Resources. Very interesting project about the Chinook salmon stocking and hopefully letting those little guys, the word that I've learned today is smolt, S-M-O-L-T. Use that in a sentence, okay? Okay. That's what their little little guys are called, smolts. 
And as always, Tim Beck with Hunter Education. It is always a thrill to visit with Marty Benson in our communications department at the Department of Natural Resources. And Marty, it's nice to have you back. How have you been? I've been fantastic. Uh, looking forward to spring here. Well, you after don't, a don't, little blast of winter. I was going to say, don't get too too used to it because every time I think that we're through it, uh, it's always about this time of the year where you think, okay, the little crocuses are coming up, and boom, all of a sudden you get a blast of winter. So maybe we're not going to have that. I don't know, but it seems like around the boys' basketball, high school basketball tournaments. We always have one more blast. But in the meantime, it's 10, and then the next day it's 60. It's just part of being in Indiana. That's for sure. So I saw uh, down at the Boat Sport and Travel Show the recreation guide, the fishing guide, and never looked better. And I thought it might be interesting for people to know what resources are available to them if they have questions uh about what to do, where to go, and how to get there, so to speak. It's kind of all in that inclusive brochure, but tell us all about it, what people can find. Well, we'll start with the recreation guide. It's just packed with all different places in Indiana to go um, that are run by the DNR. And this year, we're really focusing on trying to – put forth the fact, which has always been the case, that everyone is welcome at our properties and we're trying to attract new guests. And part of attracting new guests is educating them on how to recreate responsibly with everyone else. And also reminders to those of us who go to DNR properties all the time that we're not the only ones that are out there enjoying ourselves. So there, there's an article in there offering some tips on how to make sure that you remember that you're not interfering with the good time of others. Um, I know when you get on a state park, there's the tendency or any other DNR property, there can be the tendency of to forget about everybody else, but you need to remember that there are others around and just part of that starts with, if you have a dog, you need to remember that your dog stays on a leash at all times. Um, if you, if you are camping, you need to treat the neighbor's campsite as you would perhaps a neighbor's yard and you don't go on to it or walk through it unless you have express permission to do so. That just um, seems like common sense, little, but it's a great reminder. Well, yeah, and it, it's so easy to forget because you get out in all the freedom and you just, it's its natural. You step onto the property and um, you're all of a sudden relaxed, which is the purpose of being there. But in that relaxation, you can sometimes forget about you need to respect others as well. Um, so we want everybody to have a good time and realize that they're welcome and, um, just to remember how to, how to cooperate with everybody else. So everybody can have a good time. And part of the, uh, what we want to emphasize that is, uh, included in this along with all of the other properties is that two of our state parks, McCormick's Creek and 
Spring Mill are undergoing some work. McCormick's Creek, of course, because of the tornado that went through there last spring. Um, Both of these properties are getting fewer guests than normal um, because of some misperceptions. And to me, that is a a reason to go there because fewer people are going there. Uh, So I want everybody to remember that McCormick's Creek, there's a ton of things to do there. You can't camp, but you can do almost anything else that that place offers. And at Spring Mill, while the grist mill is undergoing repair and the Spring Mill Inn is being uh, renovated, which will is planned to be finished at the end of uh, this year, everything else in Spring Mill is available. And Spring Mill is one of the most versatile state parks we have, offering everything from seeing Gus Grissom's space capsule to taking a tour through the Twin Caves and or walking through Donaldson's Woods. And then in the recreation guide, it also lists a little bio, if you will, about every one of our properties that are out there to visit. Uh, from state parks to lakes to fish and wildlife areas to nature preserves to state forests. There's something for everyone there. You can get the recreation guide online at on.in.gov slash recreation guide. Um, and it's also handy to have the hard copy, which you can get free at many of our properties, and as well as a lot of retailers around the state. So make sure to pick that up. I love it. And I always enjoy reading it. I think I have a, an above average maybe perspective on our state parks and properties, but I always pick one of those up. And not only the articles that uh, you mentioned, but there's always something I've learned about a new place or maybe put it on my list. Oh, if I'm in the area, I'm going to stop by. So it's a very worthwhile resource. And then, of course, the fishing guide uh, is kind of equally jam-packed for those men and women that love to get out and wet a line. It sure is. And and the fishing guide has some focus on women and fishing this year. Um, One of the things I really enjoyed about it is a story about a record fish caught not by one person, but by two cousins, uh, both women, both young women, who pulled in a state record striped bass. it's an interesting tale about how they both handled the line and uh, pulled in a 40-pound, 3.8-ounce striped bass. Oh, my goodness. Marty, it's and always... also included... Go yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, th- there's so many great things uh, in both of those resources. How can you get them? Uh, you told about the, the recreation guide. How do you get the fishing guide? Fishing guide is basically available at the same place as uh, virtually all of our properties that offer fishing. Um, You can get it at uh, on.in.gov slash fishing guide online. Uh, You can get it at any retailer that sells licenses. I love it. Uh, It's pretty hard to 
pretty hard not to find it, I guess I would say. <laughs> Marty, you and I are going to have a lot to talk about. we got a big eclipse that I know the Department of Natural Resources is going to be capitalizing on, as well as a lot of Hoosiers, so many other things this spring. I can't thank you enough for all the help you provide Indiana Outdoors almost each and every week uh, to assist getting the experts here on Indiana Outdoors and these great resources now available to Hoosiers. But thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors. Thank you, Brian. Always a pleasure. Indeed it is. Much more to come. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Brian Pointer. Just so little time. So little time, but such a great show today. I enjoyed being uh, with Ben Dickinson talking about the net pen, where they're going to keep these little smolts. That's the word of the day, smolt. Didn't know that. And the Chinook, hopefully going to be able to survive a little better uh, before they head out and be eaten by every other resource or caught by a fisherman. And it's uh, great to visit with biologists anytime we can do that. Marty Benson, award-winning Department of Natural Resources Division of Communications, the hunting or the uh, recreation guide, the fishing guide, were everywhere down at the Boat Sport and Travel Show, but they're at just about every location where you can buy a license. Pick one up because those are literally jam-packed full of great information. And you might think you know it all, but like listening to Indiana Outdoors and hosting this show for 25 years, I learned something each and every week. And that is another great resource to put in your truck, in your home, whatever. Also, uh, ben, uh, Tim Beck, a couple thousand kids coming to the National Archery in the Schools Tournament. And that's at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Open to the public. I love promoting this. It's such a great thing. Folks, we're going to be back next weekend on Indiana Outdoors. Remember, turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. Be safe. Enjoy this beautiful spring weather. See you outside, everybody. Whoa.